This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Marcy Forty. In her 2018 Burn Knox Westerlo valedictory address, she used a phrase from Southern Africa philosophy, Ubuntu, often translated as I am because we are, which she felt spoke to the way she was raised in the close-knit rural hilltown community. The school superintendent has taken a version of that to now be the district's motto. Forty is now a junior at Union College in Schenectady, majoring in biology, and hoping to one day become a veterinarian. She likes learning and studied in Spain, in Cordova, her first time crossing the Atlantic, where she was fascinated with the intersection of Christian, Islamic, and Jewish cultures. I went before this conversation, just looking through some of our archives, and it turns out <laughs> the pages of the Altamont Enterprise have been filled with Marcy since she was a toddler on her father's back um, right after the terrorist attack of 9-11. And we've had her raising hens in 4-H. We've had her doing a silver project in Girl Scouts where she wrote letters about what she was doing. And we had her as the valedictory speaker for her graduation class. So <laughs> our readers probably have some idea of who you are. And welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I definitely have a long history with the Ultima Enterprise, and um, I'm really grateful for it. (laughs) Well, we're grateful for you, and we'd just like to catch up with where you are now in life. I understand you're a junior at Union College. Is that right? Yeah, I'm a junior, um, and I'm a biology major, chemistry and Spanish double minor at the moment. So you're very busy. (laughs) Um, Yes, in other words, I'm very busy. Yeah. So that's the chemistry and biology often go together in undergraduate studies. But tell us about the Spanish. How did that work its way into being a minor? Um, I've always wanted that, actually. Um, I mean, at BKW, that was the foreign language. So... I've been taking classes since maybe fifth or sixth grade, whenever we start that at Bernox. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just have always been really interested by languages. So it was like a natural next step. Yeah, well, that's a step a lot of Americans don't take. So good for you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's been really rewarding so far. Do you have plans on how you might use it? I mean... Um, not concrete ones. I actually have already been abroad to Spain, um, winter 2019, I think it was. Um, I did a three week mini term abroad in Cordoba, Spain. Um, my goal is to maybe go again abroad, like during college or if not, definitely after. So tell us about the time in Spain. What did you do there? What did you learn? Oh, it was, it was amazing. It was, my first time crossing um, the Atlantic Ocean, so it was definitely really special. Um, it's like a three-term academic course. It was on um, the history of 
sustained through um, religion, technology, and like architecture and all of that. So Spain has a really long history that I knew nothing about. Um, and especially Cordoba, it's a really old city. So um, in its architecture and its traditions and its street names and all of its like slang words, you can kind of look into the history of the interaction of like Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So it's actually a really interesting lesson in tolerance, but it's also just a living city. And it was really amazing. Well, that's a lesson I think we could all use right now. Isn't that interesting <laughs> that Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all intersected there? Huh. Yeah. So the main focus of your studies is biology. And I know from your childhood, you had a big interest in animals. Is that what is that what's fueling this interest? Or tell us about studying biology, what, what that consists of at Union. Yeah, um, I've always been kind of interested in the sciences. My dad worked for the Department of Health for over 20 years. And he would kind of bring that work home with him and tell us about all of the crazy like science experiments and data collection they were doing. So I guess I, it was like a household of scientists. I mean, my sister's in medical school. My brother's an engineer. We're all kind of STEM people, I guess. Mm. <laughs> so, but I also have always loved animals, have always had 1 million pets of all kinds. And I am still, it's still my ultimate goal to go to veterinary school after college, actually. So I do remember you had some unusual pets, didn't? Didn't you like tame a <laughs> pigeon or something? Did you tell us? Tell us about yes. some of your pets. Oh my gosh! Yes, I remember <laughs> us talking about this during my valedictorian interview. Yes, um, my parents were very. They let me do this. Like they were very supportive, and I am always appreciative of that. They let me bring this like orphaned pigeon that must have fallen out of its nest, like home and raise it and keep it as like an indoor pet for it lived with us for months. Wow, that's so unusual. And I, I remember covering yeah. you at the Altamont Fair when you were a kid, how you seem to have like yeah. a relationship with your hen. I mean, it was not, <laughs> you know, most of us, I think, think of hens as certainly useful laying eggs, but we don't think of them like pets. I mean, it seemed like you really... yeah. Tell us about that. Um, I don't know. I always have really felt a strong, empathetic connection to, um, I don't know, just other creatures, I guess, like animals, nature in general. I've always felt a very strong connection to it. And having so many animals live with us when I was younger and being deeply involved in their care, I think really encouraged that connection to grow. Um still a huge animal person, still love them, miss my dog so much at college. Um, I think it just was natural. So at college, you can't, you can't have a pet. Is that? No. No, okay. no unfortunately. <laughs> well, I can see why. If everybody had pets, it could get to be bedlam. But tell us a little about yeah. college life. I mean, you went from really a tiny high school. How many were in your class? Like 70 some? Yeah, 78, I think. And Union is not huge, but it's bigger than that. How how big is your class now? I'm not totally sure. I think that the total student class at Union is around 
2500 mm-hmm. for all four years. It's it's pretty small. And I didn't realize because it's so much bigger than my high school. I thought it would be big to me. And it was at first. But it's actually very homey. And it's pretty small for a college. It still feels very community-oriented. And so that's a fit for you. You like that feeling. Yes. And I love the small class sizes and, like, knowing my professors. Like, I know their names. I know their, like, dogs. I know about their kids. Like, that's what I like about the school. Well, I bet it, a lot of people at Union know their professors, but I wonder how many know their dogs. That's interesting. I don't know. I think you'd be surprised. Yeah. Everyone walks their dogs on campus, like, oh. during the times when there aren't classes, or some of them bring them, like, to school and have them in their office during the day. Like, I think some dogs are, like, kind of celebrities on campus, like Professor Puff. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that something? Well, so tell yeah. us a little about what campus life is like now, currently, as opposed to before the coronavirus? If you could give us kind of a sketch what life was like before and how it's changed now. Yeah, wow, it is so different. Um, We all were, I was talking about this with my roommates the other day, we remember like, March 13th, the day that like, the school told us we were all going home, like, and all finals were online. Like, we remember that day distinctly. Um, and a lot has changed since then. Like, it almost feels like we had a spring term that was online, um, totally virtual, no one on campus. And it almost feels like that term didn't happen because, I mean, it was just so different. And it was during, like, quarantine. So we were all staying home, isolating, and doing our classes online. And it's almost like this year just flew by and, like, didn't happen. It is strange um, what the living, pandemic has yeah. done to the sense of time. So March yeah. 13th, they just said, that's it, pack up, go home. And did it, uh-huh. was it a difficult transition to start learning, you know, from a computer? Or were the courses kind of oriented that way to begin with? Or was it just like diving off the deep end? It was probably more the latter. It was difficult. Um I think it was a huge adjustment for everyone on campus, like the professors, the students, the staff, everything. And I think that everyone went into it very supportive, I guess is the word. Like, a lot of the professors have never used, like, Zoom or anything similar before for a class. I don't think Union has a lot. Well, we didn't have online classes at all before. So we had a zero, like, online student population. So it was definitely a huge adjustment. but. I mean, everyone kind of went into it open-minded saying like, okay, we'll see if this works. If it doesn't, doesn't, we'll change it. But it was, it was a huge adjustment. Yeah. And so much of college is intersecting with different kinds of people and to suddenly be home back in your probably high school bedroom, I would guess. And, you know, not seeing your friends. Um, Was that, was that a hard stint there? Yes, it was. It was really, really hard. I basically, I feel like everyone just didn't see anyone they didn't live immediately with for like six months. Like I saw no one. Yeah, yeah, that's something. So then when this fall came around, how did Union approach it? Were there certain rules in place? I know some of the colleges I've written about, they've had to take pledges before they came. And um, I know like U Albany had a huge 
problem over the summer with a party of 200 people without masks, and they ended up with up close to 50 cases of COVID-19 that came out of that one party. So how did, how did Union approach that going back in the fall? Yeah, so they basically said that anyone who wanted to come back could come back, but you didn't have to. So a lot of the courses are still online. All of my classes are actually online, even though I'm here, except for I have a lab in person. But um, a lot of students did choose to return. And we did have to sign, we had to read like new community guidelines and we had to sign them because, I mean, if you're, if you can't follow these rules and protect the community, you shouldn't be on campus. And that was kind of the approach they were taking, but they were making it very open that you didn't have to come back. And a lot of people didn't come back. There's a lot of students who are doing it remotely, although the majority did. Overall, I think the school has done really well. We have weekly testing. At this point, we're halfway through the term and we've had 10 cases and that's it. I don't know if we have any active cases now. Yeah, Union did a really great job. We've all been really impressed with how they've handled it. So is it when you're, are all the classes online now? So you're living in the campus, but you're still just learning like in your dorm room or in the library from a computer? Is that how it works? Um, it was up to the individual professors. So for me, all of my like lecture classes are still over Zoom and I have a lab that's in person. But some of my friends have all in-person classes where like, you know, the desks are socially distanced, everyone wears masks. Um, the, like it's all, it's all like safe in person, but it was up to the specific professors. So you had mentioned earlier you were talking with your roommates, so you must have a couple. Mm -hmm. Is that then considered like a family unit? In other words, like you don't have to wear your mask in your own room, right? Or no? How does that work? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like that. Um, I'm actually, I was really fortunate. I'm living in an apartment with three of my really good friends. So I'm not living in a dorm. I don't have to share a bathroom with like all of the people on the floor. Um, and I have three people I live with who I can trust to make good decisions and we can all hang out with each other. So it's it's great because we're a family unit. So like you said, so we don't have to wear masks around each other. And it feels kind of like a safe bubble. Yeah, that's important these days, I would think. Mm-hmm. It must be harder, I would think, on the new students, you know, the first year students coming in, because you at, were there long enough to make these really good friends and have this living situation. I would just wonder what it's like. Have you intersected with any first year students and how they're coping with it? Yes, I think it is definitely harder for them. And all the upperclassmen I've talked to about this feel really sympathetic towards their situation. Um, because you're right, it's really difficult to meet people. And the more introverted you are, the harder it is. And when there's not facilitated opportunities to meet people, then you might just not meet people. It's definitely hard. Yeah. So things with only 10 cases in the entire campus in a semester, I think that's maybe something other schools could take notes from. I'm just wondering, what is it that makes people act responsibly as opposed to kind of the norm of college parties that get a little out of hand, never mind just the masks, but just gathering together? Yeah, um... I'm not sure. I mean, part of it is that we are a small school. So the number of cases is bound to be smaller and like 
than a bigger school. Like, I think that's just a given. But the school, we've definitely had more testing than some other schools I've heard about. We all get tested every single week. And we all had to have a negative test before we could move in. And so is, they've been really, really diligent. And describe the testing. I know some schools are doing the saliva, some are doing the swab. How, what, what exactly does your weekly test consist of? Um, it's like a, a nasal swab once a week. Uh, and it takes about 24 to 48 hours to get results. So are you used to this by now? <laughs> Yeah, it's not so bad. I've had <laughs> friends that have just work. been once and thought it was horrible. So, gosh. Yeah, I the first time I got one was over the summer, and it was really, really uncomfortable. But you definitely get kind of used to it. Yeah. Well, I'd also like to just, now that you're a junior, and you can look back on your earlier career with some distance, um, you know, your BKW school years, do you just talk a little, if you can, about how well prepared or maybe not you felt for college with the, the kinds of teachers and, and community that you had at Burn Knox Westerlo? How, how was that transition and looking back on it, how, how, do, you, how do you think of it? Um, I definitely look back fondly on my experience as a whole. I mean, the the teachers were really supportive, really present in our lives, and they felt like real people, and I appreciate that. And it's kind of taught me what to look for in, like, advisors and research assistants and research guidance and um, mentors in college. Um, In terms of preparedness, I definitely felt prepared. it was still a transition, but like I said, the smallness of my school maybe made it a, an easier transition because I'm used to a small community type of education environment. So mm-hmm. it was it was not that it was not too bad. It was I felt prepared for sure. Well, I I'm sure you know this. The words that you spoke in your valedictory, the <laughs> Timothy Mundell, the um, superintendent of schools embraced that and changed it a little, I think, to become a sort of a mantra for the district, which is they are because we are. And if you could just tell us what the original phrase was or where you got it or how it got into your speech. Um, I mean, it's become a kind of a rallying point for the school district. <laughs> and it's just... Yes. <laughs> So just tell us a little about writing that speech and kind of what went through your head and how how you reached for an African saying. Um, yes, this comes up every few months. Someone I went to high school with will text me and say, hey, they used your speech again. And we like have a like <laughs> a moment about it. But yes, um, I do think that that really, really described BKW. I mean, that's why I chose it in the first place, because I really it struck me how accurate it was. Um, when I was writing my speech, I was like, I was trying to think of what to write about because it's, it's really strange to have to look back on 18 years of your life and come up with like something to say to everyone, like some big speech to, to say. Um, but it's a quote I've always liked and I didn't really know where it came from. So I did some digging and it's, um, it's from South African philosophy. Um, it's called Ubuntu. It's like the concept 
of existing and the concept that that we all are because of other people, because of our community and our connections. And I just thought that was really fitting. So I put it in the speech um, and mentioned that that was where it had come from. And then the next graduation year, they started to like talk about it and use it. And I thought that it was really, I was really touched that my like little 18 year old musings had like an impact like that. It really meant something. The only thing I wish had happened would be taking this opportunity to educate like students at BKW about where it came from, because I haven't really seen that. And maybe they have, I don't really know, but I wish that this was a moment to teach about South African culture and South African philosophy, because honestly, I didn't know, this is going to sound really bad, but I didn't really know that was a thing. I didn't really know South Africa had like prominent philosophical teachings before that, um, for whatever reason, but I think it is a big opportunity to teach a, a school district that may not be the most diverse about diversity and diversity of thought and how advanced these civilizations were that we don't learn that much about. Yes, well, I think you're making this a teachable moment for anyone that's listening. (laughs) Um, Because I hadn't been familiar with Ubuntu philosophy. Is that what you called it? From South Africa? And so you had you were aware of the saying, but you dug in and read up and understood that there was this whole philosophical tradition and that that's what you'd like students to be aware of because we can get sort of insular in our white American world um, right. and not understand the roots of some of these thoughts. That's great. Well, I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... On campus, have you, is there more, I'm assuming there's more diversity in union by design. Um, Is that true? Are you finding yourself in with more different kinds of people than you did when you were BKW? Oh, absolutely. I mean, union is still, I mean, it's a small private liberal arts school, so it is not the most diverse place, but it's definitely, um, I've met people who I would never have met in BKW. I mean, of course, since it's a, it's a bigger place, it's a bigger city. Um, people from all over the country and all over the world come to this school. Um, and I'm really glad that I decided to go to college and live on campus because I get to meet more people and the types of people that I would never meet <laughs> in, um, in BKW. So I know at BKW, you were one of the founding members of the, um, I think it was called Gender and Sexuality Alliance. You felt like there was some amount of bullying going on, which I think happens in a lot of high schools. But how are you finding it on a college campus? Are people more accepting of each other? Um, or are there still issues in, in that kind of realm? Um, yeah, I was a founding member of GSA among um, some other students in my year and year below. Um, I thought it was really important because we hadn't had one before. And just because you don't have a GSA club or similar education does not mean there are not LGBTQ people at your school. And I think that that is something people didn't realize. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought it was really important. 
In terms of college, I do think it's different. Um, I think the thing to keep in mind is that um, diversity and acceptance in general is a work in progress. It's about moving towards something better. And um, I definitely see that at the school. People and organizations and the administration are consistently making an effort to improve. And I think that's the most important um, thing to keep in mind, like improvement, um, changing your own view. Like it's okay to be wrong, to have been wrong and realize you're wrong and change your mind. Like you don't have to be set in what you felt before when you learn that it's not true. You sound like a philosopher yourself. I like that philosophy. <laughs> have, have you yourself experienced that, um, you know, some kind of an awakening or a moment where um, at college you learned something new that changed kind of how you were looking at the world? Has that been an experience you've had? Um, yes. So I took a class my freshman fall that was um, Introduction to Gender, Sexuality, and Women's Studies. And for my final project, the professor basically gave us free reign. Do whatever you want. Write a paper if you want. Do a project if you want. I will be supporting it. Just do whatever. So I decided to do this project where I collected anonymous um, stories um, from every anyone on campus about times they had experienced um, sexual assault on campus or harassment or made to feel powerless. And then I took excerpts from those quotes and I wrote them in chalk, like in a place on campus that everyone walks through every day. And the point was to point out that um, sexual assault and campus sexual assault, especially, it happens at every school everywhere and it's more pervasive than we think it is. Um, And even though that was the goal of my project, I didn't, I, that was a huge waking, wake up call for me. Um, when I read all of the submissions, there were a ton and I was reading them and I like, even though I had designed the project to make a point that it happens at every school, like it really struck me that it happens at this school. It happens at every school. Like it was a moment for me, for sure. Like a, it like shook me I to, imagine. to read these stories. Wow. So did you find in recording these stories that they it was mostly women who were the victims or were men also experiencing this? Um, I have no idea because I collected them anonymously, like via Google form. Oh, I so, see. When you said anonymous, I, I thought know, you like, meant you just didn't attach the person's name to it and you like wrote down as they talked to you. But you mean anonymous in the sense you never knew who they were to begin with. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Um, we would we didn't want people to feel like word would get around or like they could be like held accountable for for something that they might not feel comfortable sharing publicly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like with their name attached. Mm-hmm. So, what was the reaction to this project? Were other people, as you described it, were they shook? Um, I like to think that they were, that was kind of, I wanted it to interrupt the daily routine because I think a lot of the people who engage in dialogue around any kind of social issue or human rights issue, it's the same people involved in every conversation and the people who need to hear it are often not those people. So 
So I like to think that by disrupting the daily routine, like you have to physically walk over these words to get to your class or whatever. Um, it kind of gets to you a little bit more than something else maybe would. Yeah, I always like it when you find words in unexpected places. Um, the Albany mm-hmm. International Airport, it's worn off now. But you know how when the, back, when the luggage comes out and it goes around on this conveyor? They had poems, mm-hmm. just a line of poetry on each one of the rubber things. And I used to love waiting for the luggage because you could just read a poem where you didn't expect to see it. So it, even, even, like though, that. Yeah, even though these were chilling stories, just how wonderful to find words where, where you didn't think they would be. Well, even though you described right. your whole family as STEM, <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> that project is really a very humanistic project. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're just closing in so quickly on our half hour, and there were so many more things I wanted to ask you. Let's just, we looked back, you know, you looked back a little at your life and education. Let's just, in our remaining minutes, look forward. I know you mentioned the possibility of veterinary medicine, but other than just like what your work would be, how do you envision, you know, the arc of your life unfolding? Because the college is a place, a time when you often can think in a deep way about who you are and what you want to do in a way that I don't know, life comes crashing down afterwards and you don't do that. So do you have any thoughts on like what kind of a a mark you want to make in the world or where you might want to live or what kind of person you might want to be or any, anything looking forward to your future from, from where you're standing now? That is a great question. Um, I kind of go, I go back and forth on all of my like big future plans all of the time. Um, but a couple of things seem to stand out. First, I'm going to have about 1 million pets <laughs> of all kinds, just to keep it consistent. Um, also, I want to live in a lot of places, meet a lot of people. Um, and I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm hoping to get a minor in Spanish, because I would love to live somewhere in Europe or somewhere in Latin America for some period of time. Um, I would love to get some kind of higher degree, um, whether it be graduate school or veterinary school. Uh, And I would just, I would like to continue on the trajectory I'm on of learning new things, meeting new people, um, not being afraid to reshape my mindset when new information becomes available. Um, I think those are like the goals. Uh, I think the specifics will fill themselves in Mm -hmm. and I'm going to let them (laughs) Yeah, that's a, a great way to look at it. You've got some broad, broad ideas of who you will be, and the specifics, as you say, will come along in terms of the places you go and the people you meet. So, I don't know. Do you have any closing thoughts for us, Marcy? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well. I thank you for spending this time, and I really look forward to, we still get notices when you're on the dean's list, and I look forward to hearing (laughs) um, if you go to veterinary school or wherever you end up. Let the Altamont Enterprise know. 
I'm sure I will. Um, I've always really appreciated all of the um, time and effort you guys have put into everything you do. I still have this um, this newsprint that one of the editors or cartoonists from the Enterprise gave me when I was very young and wrote a letter to the editor. Um, it's like a picture. It's a drawing of a young girl holding like a balloon and it has the American flag drawn on the balloon. I still have that print and it's it means a lot. Oh, wow. That was Forrest Bird. He did cartoons for us for a while. I Yeah, isn't that, that's nice. I will tell him that. Um, yeah, this, I still have it. It's really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I think, had you written us a letter maybe as a child about your, we had written about your church no, maybe I'm mixing this up with something else. No, that's, yes, it was. That, I wrote a letter because the St. Bernadette's Church in, in um, Bern was being closed, and I was mad about it. And my parents, and I was like, I want to write a letter to the editor. And my parents were like, okay, like, you do yes, that. Yes. And, and they let me do it, and, <laughs> and yes, for some reason you guys published it. I do remember, and you wrote with such passion, and you were upset <laughs> because our cartoonist had drawn the uh, like a church building crumbling and you you wrote you know my church is not ugly and i love my church and wow i just oh had forgotten that that's no that shows you have real heart and you expressed yourself that's great well yeah i hope your passion continues to burn bright marcy it's just been a joy talking to you thank you so much thank you so much this has been really great 